This week's episode is brought to you by ThatKevinSmithClub.com. That's right, man. If you can't get enough of the sound of my voice, then you could surf on over to ThatKevinSmithClub.com, join up, watch Wake and Bake, so much more. ThatKevinSmithClub.com. What are you waiting for? Join the club. Hit me! Episode 354. System Activate. This is NetHeads with Will Wilkins. It's a tech podcast. Tech podcast. But we are a sh- ton cooler than your typical geek. You guys rock. And now, here's Will. No one listens to the radio. I wasn't even listening. I was listening to podcasts. Podcasts are great. Radio's boring. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another edition of NetHeads. So happy to be here with you. My name is Will. I'm your host. Uh, Yes, something unusual for those of you that watch the video. I am wearing a hat. It is not because I am ashamed of my uh, bald head, but I was doing work in the garage earlier today, bumped my head a few times. So, uh, you know, it. I'm a little banged up and I don't want to show it. So I'm covering it with this snazzy hat. Uh, but thankfully, uh, you don't have to just listen to me because joining me from the Nerd Initiative and TikTok and everywhere else I can think of is uh, Tony, uh, also known as Mr. Marvelite. I'll refer to him as Tony. You can find him everywhere on uh, social media as, as Mr. Marvelite. Welcome, sir. So nice to have you back. Thanks for having me back. I appreciate it. And you know, you should be using tools in your garage, not your head. I, I know that. I know that. But uh, I have to use my head and the tools, but it wasn't even tools. Our our bikes are hung up in the same kind of area of the garage where I get to do all of my woodworking and milling. Yes, I've been doing what I would consider milling, um, it, but these bikes are hanging upside down uh, in that area. And inadvert- in, uh, what does it say? Uh, my The inevitable but something betrayal. Uh, every time I will inevitably and undoubtedly hit my head on the bikes at some point. I should wear a helmet or a hat in the garage is what I should do. Really, you should be more careful just milling around. Exactly. It's no dad jokes. Let's 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 table those for tonight if we can. Probably not. I'll be guilty of many. We are talking myself. about like Ant-Man, right? I mean, come yeah. on. Like that's <laughs> We will be. We will be, but we've got real show to do and then we'll make some general comments and then we'll get some spoilerific comments in and and everybody'll be happy. But for those of you that may be wondering, well, wait a second. What do you mean milling, Will? Uh very long story short. I took out the standard slider closet doors from here in my office, but I do want to have the two particular 3D printers that I have in my office. Uh, I want to have those in here. By the way, if you hear crackling or any other extra noise, it is because Benjamin, my uh, corgi, has his favorite toy in the world, which is a soda bottle. So uh, the sparkling juice is in my jar, and now he is having a field day with the... um, with the bottle. Uh, anyway, I want to have those two 3d printers in the office here so I can immediately have access to them, check their print status and all that jazz. But you know, it just, it, it just gets too loud. So I'm wanting to put in bifold doors. Now I'm still attempting to keep this as a short story. It's not a standard closet door height they are 90 it's 96 by 59 is the size of the opening so 96 inches or also known as eight feet tall and i don't want to reframe it and make it smaller because there is a lot of storage in there like i could literally put another shelf up and have that upper tier level of storage that's a real pain in the ass to get to but in order to get through all that, I need to have some doors on there, but I don't want sliders. I want some bifolds so that way I can open and see most of the closet at once. But because of that 96 inches, this, by the way, is what it looks like when somebody's falling asleep, but really trying to be nice and listen. I'm just kidding, Tony. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not trying to fall asleep. Uh, the, um, you get into 96 inches and mm-hmm. you get into more custom or rare doors and i'm not spending three hundred dollars a section and that it has to be just the right measurement etc 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 instead i got 
what was it, six two by fours for three bucks each. And next thing you know, me, the guy who is not qualified at all to be using a saw, you know, like a saw table, I'm using a table saw. So I'm literally taking those two by fours and I'm reducing them down to one and a halfs by one and a halfs so I can build the frame of my doors that I'm going to put in. And I got a 20 and a $20 kit for hanging said doors and, and, you know, everything you need, the hinges and everything else. And you don't even need to, to cut out for the hinges. As long as you make sure there is certain distance, they will appropriately close and appropriately open and fold. So, yeah. and, and I don't care, technically speaking, I've still got the material from the old doors, you know, the, I don't know, it's really some type of thin particle board with the vinyl covering on it. So I'm going to rip those down to go inside of these frames that I'm making. And then honestly, I'm not going to care what they look like because then I'm going to be covering each one of those panels via, you know, just those quick strip, uh, uh, three com sticker things. I don't know. I don't remember what they're called. Uh, I'm just going to be hanging literally, um, foam core soundproofing panels on those that are mounted on one half inch rigid foam. So I'm not doing anything to damage the door once I'm done with it, but I'm going to have that up there both to cut reflection and noise reduction. So okay, that's what I was going to ask you. Like I was sitting here wait, waiting to like, are you going to put some type of soundproofing? Yep. Cause yep. even bifold doors don't really stop the sound. So that's cool. That's very cool. Yeah, exactly. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to reduce it somewhat and that rigid foam will help cut it. And the, the sound foam will, oh, look, he got one of my socks. Thanks, buddy. Give it back. Here's, it's, it literally is my sock. Um, but boy, were you happy to have it. I've never seen such joy. I want. I went to a level. I want to achieve that level of joy. Anyway, so I'm, I'm, I was framing out those today, and that's when I bumped my head. Okay. As a matter of fact, that's literally what I was doing up until 6.40. I had just got done building the frames. So the next thing I need to do is figure out what I messed up, you know, because I'm sure I'm going to have to, in these 96-inch long frames, I'm probably going to need another bracer in the middle to help keep them square, you know? And oh, No, and listen, if you took that long to do it, you probably were doing something right. So I usually get things done very quickly and it's because I did not do them the right way. And I usually have to pay for that later. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, you know, I'm, I'm doing what I can to try and sh- make sure things are square, but my milling process wasn't exactly, you know, top notch. It's the best I could do with a saw, a table saw and trying to reduce these boards with limited knowledge. You know, I, there are a few instances where, the wood may be going a certain direction I don't want it to, and that's why I may need the center bracers. But as long as I can get them to hang up, open, and close, I'll I'll be fine. You know, it, yeah. it, we don't need perfection here. I can I can I can cover up to make it look better with these faux sound panels I'm putting up too. So yeah, I'm you know, I just want to get it done at this point. And think once <laughs> you get the 3D printers into their new space. You won't have to worry about things like extreme heat or extreme cold. Um, no, I'll be dying in this room because you know what's going to happen? Immediately after I do that, I'm going to have to make sure I take out the old bookshelf and put in the in-wall vent for my portable air conditioner because I will more than likely never need a heat source in this room again and I will need nothing but air conditioning all the time. Because they don't, they they cook. the The nozzles get up to close to four hundred degrees Fahrenheit, and the uh, the beds are are like what eighty to one hundred and twenty or something. I, yeah, I so you'll have a little. That, that's why we all just say Celsius because they all work in Celsius. So it's the nozzle gets up to like two ton two twenty Celsius, and then sixty degrees Celsius for the for the bed, and it stays that hot to keep the thing stuck to it. So uh, anyway, I I but. How I ended up getting to the bifold doors is because my new M5 printer is great and it is fast, Tony. It's uh, by Anchor. It's the Anchor Make M5, mm-hmm. not an ad. It is a great printer. It works great. The only problem is it has two of the loudest little fans to cool the nozzle. And I ended up 3D printing up a, a mod 
to include a different type of fan, a single one to provide all the venting needs. And long story short, I went to all the hassle and put everything in and the fans that I got aren't compatible. So they were not powering oh. up. So I've also went, gone through three days of why are my prints coming out terrible? This is like a cooling issue. And then suddenly it dawned on me, the infinitely dumb of infinitely dumb. I'm just like, wait a moment. I'm seeing cooling issues. I just mess with the cooling system. I wonder, could there be a correlation? <laughs> Possibly. Possibly. Well, and that's the reason why the Bamboo Lab X1 Carbon is getting so popular because it's the first almost appliance like 3D printer where you almost have to do nothing and you will get foolproof prints just about every time. Whereas, you know, with the type of printers you and I have, even my high end one, I've still got to make sure every once in a while, let's level the bed and let's make sure it's clean. My best friend in 3D printing is a microfiber cloth. Because I'll just quickly hit the the printing surface with uh, some iso alcohol and then hit it with that microfiber cloth. And nine times out of ten, I don't need rafts. I just need supports. If you don't do 3D printing, I know I'm speaking nonsense. I'm sorry. But it's what makes those like amazing prints like that that pouring coffee with the pumpkin spice filament that you have behind you. That is correct. That is correct. As a matter, I'm funny, funny you bring that up, Tony, because... Part of the reason why I want my uh, my 3D printing, all of my 3D printers running, I realized, you know, I've got, I've, I've now amassed a collection and every one of them, you know, it's starting from my first one, moving on up, each one prints a little faster in some ways than the other one. Mm -hmm. um, as a matter of fact, uh, one of the things I just printed up, which is leading me to this, the cup that you're commenting about, if you guys uh, are listening to the podcast, just go look at the YouTube video, the thumbnail might have it in the background or, or just it'll be up the first moment you see me in this ridiculous hat. Um, the uh, the coffee cup illusion is that it's this floating coffee cup and it pours down into the splash on the table. And that is uh, this month's rewards for, I think it's the Bobcap driver uh, level uh, of our Patreon supporters. They're getting those this month. Um as a matter, yeah, and uh, also one of the things that they'll be getting next month in honor of Ant-Man is the uh, Pym Particle Arrowhead that we saw in Hawkeye. And, oh, nice. And the thing that I'm toying with now is it, it is, I kid you not, Tony, it is, it is the most useless emo ever because it is literally just a 3D printed emo that all it does is this <laughs> one look. That's it. And that's last month's, I'm getting caught up, last month's reward to the uh, Patreon supporters at that level. So they'll be getting their own useless robot. Now, that brings me to, so wait, why are you telling me about this? Because the difference in speeds that I'm talking about printing, uh, I print the skateboard and I print the feet at 50% infill. So like 50% of this thing is plastic and not air. Same here. So that way the two things that need to be heavy on the bottom are heavy. And then everything else up top is 5%. So it's light. Okay. So what I have to do is uh, I, I ran this on my Viper printer. And that took 14 hours for it to, uh, to go out. So 14 hours of printing time. Now, I, I just pieced out the same thing, the feet and the skateboard at 50% infill. And what I ended up getting was um, at uh, like about clocking in roughly at 7.4 hours. So that is, uh, that's 50% faster right there alone. Hey man, let me just jump in here for a sec to remind you, Jay and SilentBob.com, ladies and gentlemen. You want to buy anything Clerks related, anything Jay and Silent Bob related, anything Kevin Smith related, go to Jay and SilentBob.com. Now back to the show. Well, ain't that a hoot and ain't that a first, everybody? I got to be honest. Uh, I know I've done some idiotic things in the past. I have... I've crashed a bobcat into the side of a pool, hence the reward tier of bobcat driver. Uh, I have uh, spilled lemonade all over the deck, desk and into the mixer while being live on air. But that is the first time I have allowed my 
dog to uh to bring down the internet in the home tony and that's 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 your, what happened your corgi was jealous you weren't giving him enough attention yes that's, clearly that's how it is. clearly that was the problem so what i was what i was saying before things died and I, i'll have a wonderful time tying all this together in post-production uh is that with the the th- these things that I'm printing, I was doing the feet and the skateboard at 50% infill, so 50% plastic, on my Viper printer, which used to be my fastest one. That was 14 hours to complete. I sliced it out to the new M- the Anchor Make M5, and that was coming in at seven and a half, so almost half of what my fastest printer could do it before. So. It is amazing the way the technology is evolving, but at the same time, it still needs to get to that point where average Joe consumer can use it and not somebody who's got the time and resources to try and figure out and dial in settings and all that jazz. What's your take? No, no. I, I find I find it interesting because like I I'm you're 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 talking about all of these other you know, printers that you have. I still have my Ender 3 Pro that I'm working at that I got back during the pandemic. And I I find it all entirely fascinating following like what you're doing and what you're making. And I'm sitting there like, I really need to clean out the nozzle on mine and get back to printing stuff. <laughs> Dude, so. uh, no, wait, let me tell you something. If this thing were to get a proper uh, nozzle clog, it would be end of end of end of line for me, because honestly speaking, that printer right now. So I've already tried to mod it once, which is disappointing. Uh, because of the noise level. But then the the other thing too is that I originally had, like one of the first times I used it, I had a clog and I went to oh. go do maintenance on it. Now, because I was an early backer of this thing, they also sent an extra heat sink, an extra hot end, et cetera, et cetera. So I had one on hand, but when I, and I didn't do a review video for this, it, if I, um, when I went to go repair it, there was no not accidentally torquing the screws that connect the hot end to the heat sink and the uh, the piece that connects up to the to the uh, I can't remember the name of it now. Anyway, uh, it 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 instantly broke. Now they sent me a new one, which is great, and I got better replacement screws. But I, I absolutely dread the thought of that thing having to have any type of nozzle issue, which makes me wonder after having used it and fed filament through it, how their color engine, the V6 that that you can get for your M5, which allow you up to six different colors to use at one time. I'm wondering how it's auto load feature is going to work. Cause I have a big suspicion if that product actually comes to fruition, that it is going to come with a replacement new printer head overall with a new direct drive system because i got i got i got issues with it but it's still amazingly fast and really great quality so yeah my uh my my patreon supporters will be getting uh the most useless emo after i throw a little paint and distribute those suckers so i've got all those done more useless than the actual emo and they'll have the coffee cup ones and i will say there are everybody gets a stay a chance at a variant there are two pumpkin spice or no yeah there's two pumpkin spice ones there are two just brown coffee ones and then there is one third tricolor uh filament that i use so it it, all three colors are delivered at once so it creates this iridescent effect and there's one of those so you know of the five people that get this reward which one will you get Ooh, it's a mystery it'll be fun and exciting yeah it's like oh i gotta collect them all yeah exactly well no but you know at least at least you were in on it because uh, the other thing too, there's another one I shouldn't talk about it here, but it's a reward. I realized that once I create it, I will be able to customize it and reuse it over and over. So it doesn't matter what I'm making as a reward at that time. I've always got, this as a default as like the first one. And it's, I, I think I'm, I'm rather proud and it's kind of clever, but I'm not going to reveal it now because this is really way too much about me talking inside baseball on 3d printing and, uh, and, and, and self promotion, which is not what I'm here to talk about today. Although, uh, I feel like I'm kind of taking, uh, fandoms, uh, leftovers 
There we go. That's a that's a that's a clean way to put it because like one of the things I wanted to talk about this week for me, I mean, there's been a lot of stuff that's gone on since the last time you and I talked, but you know, I don't want to get into the flash. I don't want to talk about the sure. the Guardians trailer, you know, because these are all there's very little new that we got except for with in the flash you know, finding out how kind of what part Supergirl plays in that story compared, if you compare it just to like to the animated movie, like that right. reality. And then, it, and then if they're going with that, so there is a superhero that does help. Uh, if you have that super individual, does that mean that the Michael Keaton's Batman that they're giving me is actually Thomas Wayne? Uh, you know, if you know the story or is it, right. or, or is it a, an alternate Bruce Wayne? You know, how could things change that much? Anyway, I digress. I didn't want to talk about the flash. The only thing that's really come up in the past week that really grabbed my attention in the way of nerd news is the news about Will Smith and I am legend. This one caught me off guard because it's kind of like, wait a second. Um, is, uh, is Marvel, does this mean I am legend as part of the MCU? Cause this sure sounds like a what if scenario. Yeah, it's it's rather interesting how it's it's the first time that I know of that a studio has decided to go through with a sequel using the alternate ending as the springboard for the second movie, which I mean, fans who people who were fans of I Am Legend and let, let's say don't have the physical copy like the Blu-ray or DVD that, that had the alternate ending with it could be very confused. So I'm kind of interested to see how they're going to proceed forward with this. Cause this is like one of those things where it's like, you know, you have like that, you have the theatrical cut and the director's cut. And then you have everybody who prefers the director's cut. Um, in my mind, it's, it's kind of like after seeing how many bad Terminator films we've had, I, I actually like to consider that at the end of Terminator two, the alternate ending where you see like an older John Connor as he's with his kids at the park. Like, like I'm like, yeah, that's what happened. Like, we're not going to go back and say like, that still didn't work because let there's just been way too many failed attempts at, at, uh, at, 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 at doing a sequel for that, but they're really going for this. And, and I can see why, because the alternate ending was a better ending. Mm -hmm. um, it surprised me that they wanted to go that route. And I think, they realize, like you know, we're gonna do this. Let's do well, it. Well, let's. I mean, wasn't it, it, what studio is I am Legend through? Is this a 20th Century Fox? <sighs> I thought it was a 20th Century Fox, but is it Universal? I don't know who it's through, but um, that's why I'm the, like the only thing you can do, and I agree that was the better ending. It was Warner Brothers. It was. Oh, okay, so. Interesting. It's a village roadshow uh, pictures production, uh, distributed by Warner Brothers. Yeah, because there's only one way you could play it, which is literally it's just like the opening of with the original scene, and then just like some weird kind of rewind choppy, and then it it picks up instead where it deviates and like, but what if this happened? And then you go into that, uh, wow. and I'm and I'm more interested to see that too. That's. That's more of the story, I because you know him just sacrificing himself really. Kind you know, of, there is a way they could they could do it. Um, you know, it's like that unreliable narrator type thing where mm -hmm. you know you you open up with the theatrical ending where he pulls the pen and the grenade, runs toward the thing, everything blows up, and then you have him wake up and it's a nightmare, like it's a dream. Ah, and you go back to flashbacks of the alternate ending. Then you realize that you know he was he's having dreams because it's kind of like the idea that you know the struggle that they're going through. He would wish it that you know maybe he would have you know ended it all back then, because there were a lot of like ideations in that film where it's kind of like he's struggling with being alone. Um, you know, it's it, he's fighting to survive, but you're almost wondering why he's fighting to survive because there's like this, there's like this, uh, this, this sadness throughout mm -hmm. the whole thing where it's just, especially once, once he lost his dog and it's like, you know, you could kind of get where he's had like this mental, this mental break this whole time. So, you know, but yeah, it's really unclear 
why they're doing it, but in a way, I'm kind of glad they are. Because at least of that story, that's the way I would have liked it to see. You know, and and if you think about it, it's kind of perfect timing when you think about how you've got the whole popularity that's clearly hit hard with The Last of Us uh, on HBO and HBO Max. So obviously, you know, people... It's it's a great idea to help fill that Walking Dead being over uh, post-apocalyptic vibe. Yeah, and they're doing this 15 years after the last movie. A little bit over 15 years because, uh, well, I guess whatever. I mean, we're, we're right now at 15 years. My, my wife and I had just gotten married. Wow. So, so really, it's wow. So I guess that cure wasn't everything they thought it was going to be. Or maybe the distribution distribution of it has been a real pain. Well, you know, if they do the alternate ending, then they really didn't have a cure in the first place. Yeah, good point. Because because he uh, he undid what he was doing to that to that mm-hmm. being, whatever you want to call it, vampire zombie, yeah. or whatever. Still, so. such a if anybody that hasn't seen it, I mean, I'm sure you can just watch it on YouTube as well. It is just it's a compelling scene because in that moment, uh, it kind of forces Will Smith's character to finally see these creatures as actual thinking sentient beings as well because in the original story that this all stems from that is the the i am legend is because he finally gets to the end of this adventure and he realizes that these vampire-like creatures that he's been contending with to them he is this legendary monster he's what you tell the kids will come get you if you don't eat all of your people that's left behind kind of thing (laughs) You know, so so it's that ending kind of gave us some of that flavor. So that was I can't believe we're dissecting. I am legend 15 freaking years later. Oh, no. But the film did a lot of interesting things. Like, I mean, you you think about these this concept that you thought they were mindless beings, but they set traps up for him. Mm -hmm. Like they knew how to mess him with his mind, like specifically even the, the mannequin that they had sitting out in the street. Like they knew they they were watching him. They, like they, they, were they, they knew they knew what they were doing. They knew exactly what they were doing. Sorry, I'm just playing into it. But yeah, it, you know, it, I I am it, it, that news just kind of blew me away. That was the thing that kind of messed me up the most this week, at least in relation to entertainment news. I'm like, they're they're really they're doing what now? Seriously? And but yeah, that's the direction they're going. OK, exactly. And is this and uh, I mean, is this going to be Will Smith's first thing since the slap? I think so. Yeah, man, that it, it's amazing how much the the whole lockdown of things really just messed with the concept of time for well, me now. It, that and and you know, it's like it's funny because like we mentioned the slap, and we're not going to talk about the minutia of it or anything like that, but it's like. The, the repercussions from what happened last year, because we're almost at Oscars time again, you know, typically when someone wins best actor, they're, they are then in turn like a hot commodity. And what ended up happening was like the slap ended up canceling out that, that best actor Oscar nod, especially for the fact of like, whoever hires him for anything, they're not going to be able to submit him for best actor they're not going to be able to do the campaign for Oscars moving forward for at least 10 years because he's te- he's banned 10 years from the academy. So it's it's like, you know, it, you almost have this guy who has obviously won an Oscar but now is not is 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 like an Oscar black hole in in the sense of you can't do anything with his role or any of his part yeah. no matter how fantastic it is. So they can't even ever count like what studio is going to want to hire somebody that will never have a chance for the next 10 years to win a best Oscar, a best actor role for any film that they want to make. So it's it like, just, it's just time to start cashing that check. The bad boys for let's do uh, this. I am legend continuation. You know, is it, can we sequelize Ali? Can we do Shark that? Tale two? Which one? Shark's Tale 2. Oh, there you go. See, that would be easy. That's not even, there's a cartoon version of him. You could do so much. 
if Toy Story can go to a fifth sequel, don't they even, can do Don't get Story. out of here with that. I don't even know what Frozen Three, sweet Jiminy Christmas. I mean, obviously, they're just it's like guys. We the parks were closed, and I'm telling you, that's what it is. Everything is funded by the parks, my man. Everything, because if you think about it. Uh, Kevin Smith says this all the time, you know, if they want to make another Marvel movie, all they got to do is raise drinks by five cents in the parks and suddenly kaboom, they got all the money they need to finance a film themselves. So, yeah, so, yeah, every, I mean, you know, and, and, or just make a, another co collector, uh, popcorn bucket. Cause like those things, people go nuts over that. Stuff. Don't even get me. Oh Yeah. Yeah, why are you going to bring that up? Because now you're leading us into Quantumania. I don't, I'm sure you have yours handy. I do not have mine handy, but Mine's back there. yeah, okay, don't worry about it. But goddamn AMC once again just wants to make sure that I have to waste all of my AMC rewards on these stupid popcorn buckets they do from the Marvel movies. And I say that not because they're stupid, but because I'm bitter. This one was great because walking out of this movie, it's like we had all called for a head of one of the, uh, we had all called for like the head of Ant-Man and we were all walking out with right. with our prey. It was it was the Ant-Man helmet and the, the top would open up apparently and you could, that could be your popcorn vessel. Not that anybody uses these things for popcorn. And the eyes light up, but it actually is like the whole head lights up in a sense because yeah. it's only the, the red lenses in the front. But what I will say about this and, and people that are considering, because I've noticed after like Love and Thunder, they either decided to overproduce popcorn buckets or there's just not been a uh, a compelling market um, since the the Thor's hammer mule near tin popcorn bucket, because like I easily got the Wakanda Forever one, did not have to worry about you know it it it's selling out, and then even this one, we we went in got we we got this early because I'm like I'm not gonna let it sell out just in case, and then we were in the we were in the theater waiting like waiting for the the show to start and. Um, one of our, our nerd nation members had had doesn't have an AMC anywhere near him, and so he was messaging the group, and we were going to offer to get him a hel uh, the helmet, and then the person who said that they would forgot to do it, and so my wife is texting during the film, and I'm like trying to I'm about to like abolish her to the outside, and we we went after the show was over, and they still had popcorn buckets. Damn, and I don't know I don't know if you discovered this. AMC's biggest racket now is their their gourmet popcorn and these custom drinks that they have. Um, there is a watermelon berry blast icy that I, I, I kid you not. We went on Thursday for the showing and we bought two of them. <laughs> we, split, we, split, we bought one for the movie. And then during the movie, everything's going on. And you know, I normally like lean toward her. Like this is an important part. The only thing I leaned over to tell my wife was, we're buying another one when we walk out of the theater. <laughs> and so we did. And then my son's birthday is was yesterday. We celebrated today uh, his party. And so Friday, we went to um, the Lego store, which happens to be the same mall that we saw the movie in. And I went and bought another two of those. I walked right into the theater. Yeah. For no other reason but to buy those stupid ICs. Oh, believe me, was, they will let oh, you walk in and glorious. get anything from concessions because that's all them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's massive it's markup, so they'll they'll happily let you in. But I'll I'll remember that. I'll check that. We did not get to oh. go today, unfortunately. It was today was supposed to be my wife, my youngest, and myself because my my older daughter and I went on opening night because my wife doesn't want to deal with that uh and i we prefer the sunday morning crowd because there isn't one but uh unfortunately this morning my daughter woke up feeling like she was having a cold so we didn't get to go because i was really looking forward to uh being able to discuss this after having seen it a second time because i do want to speak about Quantumania, um, Ant-Man mm -hmm. and the Wasp Quantumania, which just released on uh, Thursday, really, for all of us. And I, I have to say, like, spoiler-free, uh, completely free of, if you haven't seen it, don't worry. One thing I will say about this movie, I do not understand any of the negativity I have heard about it. It was 
an Ant-Man movie. It and it was right. it was an Ant-Man movie that was ambitious enough to have a very good villain for once, an actual villain for once in their midst. And uh and it 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 was I for me it was cool because it, I guess it's a little spoilerish to say this, but Scott Lang proves he's worthy of being an Avenger in this movie, if you ask me. Um yes. but but also it it just it was it was a perfect runtime. I was never bored, it got into the action quick, and I and it still maintained the ability to have that ant-man humor in it which we have become accustomed to and yeah go ahead you're good no no and and i think that's where i feel like i get where people have criticisms like you know they went too fast with like establishing what's going on there wasn't enough time with elaborating on the the world building but at the same time, I feel like this is the first time we're getting an in-depth view of of the quantum realm, really in-depth view. And I don't think it's the last time because I feel like the, the quantum realm is going to play a major role in either some or all of our heroes surviving what happens in the future. But at the same time, I really feel like people are judging this film still off of things like Endgame, No Way Home, Infinity War, because they they think that all of them should be at that level now. And it's not that Endgame and Infinity War raised the bar for Marvel movies. It should it should be the peak of what all of these phases when they lead to their their penultimate movie. It it what 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 it should lead up to and i think they all forget phase four and five is building to a big event it is not the big event every film and everyone wants that to happen yeah and you know i mean but black panther is the one that really kind of brought that with with this major confrontation between two uh vibranium wielding countries so fabulous fantastic but um did i say vibranium yeah oh it is vibranium though right that's yeah. the replacement for that yeah. i was a, no it's adamant no it's not no it's not um so but it, it they kind of had that that sort of big finale and big thing and and ant-man has never had those kind of stakes so uh and and, and also if they if you just think about it okay a lot of the things that happen in this movie do exactly what I expected them to do. Having watched Loki, knowing how that ended, having, having just knowing the fact that there is a Loki season two and that Ant-Man and the Wasp is coming out in the middle of that. So like all of this happened wonderfully for me. I really enjoyed the movie. I, I got just about enough of the characters. It was nice to finally see a Hank Pym that wasn't just a total miserable prick the whole time. You know what I mean? Yeah, he was really upbeat. Like, very different than he is before. Like, I, I even loved how they were... Are we are we really going into spoilers? Are we are we going to do that or no no no? I mean, I wouldn't go too deep. I mean, okay. we we can, but we need to give well, people just say, a warning. I would just say this. I think the level of yeah, I think I, I the level of supportiveness that they showed even early on, like you really like, you really like Hank Pym in this movie, which I think is surprising because if you, if you look at what Michael Douglas said at the premiere, when they said, would you be willing to come back for another one? He's like, as long as I die, (laughs) (laughs) you know, what's, you know what I have found most interesting about all of the press around uh, Ant-Man and the Lost Quantum Mania is the number of times People have brought up on these press junkets about the uh, the infamous knee slapping ants chant that Michael Douglas and Paul Rudd did for the first movie. And for those yeah. that don't know, this was one of those things where, you know, they're just standing there and they're doing setups for things all day, whether it's for the electronic press kit or other things uh, or, or talking to press. They're just they're doing these things and they just 
started just having this one ridiculous moment where they're like literally Michael Douglas is doing this 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 fancy hand slapping on his leg and they're just chanting ants and it's getting louder and faster every moment and it was just like I don't understand what's happening but I'm thankful for this and and now yeah. everyone on the press tour this year or for this movie has just been asking so uh you know how did that come about how did that happen how was it? and it was just nice to hear from both Paul Rudd and Michael Douglas's uh perspectives that it was just good ridiculous fun for them to do when they were probably just mind-numbingly bored with everything having to be on this repeat in front of in this set so I've enjoyed that. Yeah, and that's the thing. They, they make them do a lot of stuff. They make them do so many things on these press junkets. We never see all of it. And then they 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 get they stand around and they're just like, you know what? You know, we're gonna play they're we're gonna play with it. It's it's almost like the um there was that there was that scene between uh Chris Evans and Robert Denny Jr. with I think it was um with Elizabeth Olsen and um like Robert Denny Jr. takes a, a red, white, and blue sprinkled donut. Oh yeah, and he's like, "Is that the last? Is that the last red, white, and blue sprinkled donut?" He's like, "Yeah." He's like, "What did I tell you would happen?" And it was like, like that kind of thing. Where I, I, I figure at some point they just get so tired, they're just like, "We're gonna make fun of this stuff." Yeah, and, and that was so. a great moment. And and the whole face off it culminates with just Elizabeth Olsen letting out a blood curdling scream, and then everyone starts laughing another great moment um so as for the movie itself i don't you know i don't really well what was your take on it without getting into spoilers because we kind of heard mine i'm just like it did everything i would everything i wanted it to it filled that marvel void in my heart and the only thing that i'm bummed about is that i got no michael pena yeah same here uh, in fact only one person from that original trio of of ex-cons really had came back, but in a different role. And, and so it was kind of surprising, but at the same time, if you think about how, how fast paced we kind of jumped into everything, like we got a very, a very brief synopsis of life after the, of the snap, you know, there's this exchange with, you know, with Cassie and with Scott and, and the family, you find out that they've been working on a secret project and then boom, we're in the quantum realm. Um, so it makes sense we wouldn't have gotten them because they wouldn't have been in that like that court. Like if anything would have happened outside of um of the quantum realm, if it would have been more like earth-based, we probably would have seen him, you know, catch up with them. But because we're like life after endgame, boom, we're in the quantum realm, it makes sense. Um but but yeah, it's it's like a little it's a little bit surprising. I think that's where people like have the disconnect. They're they're wanting the exact same thing from the previous films. Yeah, and we don't have to have that. But speaking of the previous films, I do have to say that in preparation for going to see it this morning, my wife and I did on Friday night. We watched the original Ant Man, uh, and then we watched Ant Man on the Wasp last night. And I just have to say. Um, first of all, I feel bad for Scott Lang because it's very clear that at the end of the Ant-Man movie, they set up that for some reason Falcon is looking for Ant-Man. And then the post credit scene after that kind of mid credit scene is a, the scene from uh, Civ uh, why Civil can't War. I say Captain America Civil War uh, in Captain America Civil War where, you know, Falcon says, uh, you know, Tony's or not Tony caps basically saying we're going in light. We need more people. And he's like, I, I know a guy. And so if you think about it, Scott goes from release to jail. His whole journey is Ant-Man kind of being exonerated by his brother or his uh, soon to be uh, not brother-in-law, but wife's new husband. Um, and And then like shortly after that, Falcon comes looking for him, so he goes to Germany, once again goes into jail, and then goes into house arrest. Yep. So this guy who is mad that he's not spending time with his daughter is still continuously getting jailed. Then he gets jailed in the quantum realm. So my first thought was, my God, poor Scott Lang, just in that little brief journey. But the other thing that I wondered was, how long do you think that ant... 
Because early on, Hope says the ant is programmed to replicate your movements and actions throughout the day. And at the very end, the final the final post credit sequence for Ant Man two spoilers, I guess, is that it's the ant playing the drums the same way Scott was. So, how long was that ant still doing that after Scott's trapped in the quantum realm and everybody else is getting blipped away? Yeah, I know. Like, like you, you imagine, like it, at some point, it's going to just stop doing what it's doing, but. I mean, if Scott could do it for two years in house arrest, they could have done it for five years, right? Yeah, except you know, I guess if somebody wanted to claim the house, but who do you who would call want to claim the ant house? Like- right, exactly. <laughs> nope that 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 you house belongs in- to the ant now. It's his. We, <laughs> we, or you find out like we're, we 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 go ten years from now. You know, the the, the snap has happened. There's been five years after Scott's come back. He's been successful, so he's never gone back to his house because he just assumed that somebody took it over and he was displaced. And then all of a sudden you hear the stories about the, uh, the haunted ant, ant house where there's an ant inside still playing the drums. Well, but the ant would be terrorizing the neighborhood because let's be real. It would adhere to that programming until the food was gone. And I'm sure for an ant True. that size, that probably went pretty darn quick. So, uh, but who knows? But anyway, those are the thoughts that I had watching those movies because I've already seen them a bunch of times. So there wasn't a lot to, to take away from it uh, other than that. Uh, but other than the fact that they're just good, wholesome fun. And it is, yeah. you know, like I said, Hank in this third movie is a much more pleasant person. And you can definitely see that in his kind of evolution of, of one and two, which by the way, still how you doing champ? You want a juice box and and just some cheerios in a juice box or string cheese in a juice box oh anyway uh well even like even the second one if you think about it hank was hank was angry at what at what scott did but then there was it looked like hank was more forgiving of scott than hope ever was and so it, it you know it, it was one of those things where it's kind of like hank was hank hank saw the light like the first movie he lost janet there's no hope in the second movie, he's frustrated because of what, you know, of, of being on the run. But like you have that 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 realization at the end where Janet's out of the quantum realm. He takes the little house that puts it by the beach and grows it back up. And at that point, Hank is different. And even the fact that they're working together in the end credit scene before they disappear, and you know, they're you know, they're trying to help ghosts at that point. And even Hank, when when he talks to Lawrence Fishburne's character. You know, is that idea is like we we could help her together. Like he he wasn't automatically angry. He had changed his way. And I think the um, Ant Man the Wasp was where we first kind of saw Hank Pym realize, which is so weird because Hank Pym is so different from the comics. Oh yeah, Hank definitely Pym wouldn't have cared. He was abusive. He was a he was a horrible guy. Um, you know, I mean, he built Ultron. Like you know, he basically was Tony Stark, but it would but in all the wrong ways and. Um, you kind of saw he softened at the end of uh, at the end of that second film. Well, they, he was reconnected with his heart because you know he he suffered from the loss of his wife and the guilt of aiding in the situation that lost his daughter, her mother. So and then handled that situation miserably. Um, but you know that kind of leads to some of the comic relation of him just being a, a lousy bastard. So. Uh, all I have, I so yeah, it was really nice to see him in this movie. Uh, a lot having a lot more fun, and it was nice to see, um, like the opening sequence. You even see this from the trailers. There is just a certain they, they did something I didn't expect them to do, which was kind of to give the every person the perspective of I. How did I become an Avenger? This is so weird. This is my life. And it, it, and he, he, you know, it, it really is kind of, it gives us a glimpse into that, which I really liked. I think the other thing too, that I liked about this movie is that even though we were going through, um, incredible visuals, amazing sets and, and Michelle Pfeiffer 
said something uh, in an in an interview where she said the difference between doing um, what what big visual effects work did she? Oh, even on the last one, you know, it was it was all working green screen or blue screen for the quantum realm stuff, realm stuff. And immediately after I saw this one, I knew it's like, oh, there's no way in hell they didn't do this one on the volume. And sure enough, she said that, you know, the difference between that one with blue screens with this one, you know, there was technology. So every set was practical and and it was projected right there for you. And I'm like, yep, they did it on the volume. Well, they did. They used the exact same technology that they used for the Mandalorian, mm-hmm. where it yeah, was, that's the volume. It was, it was an active blue screen where they 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 saw the scope of what they were. Mm-hmm. So their reactions were a lot more honest because they were actually looking at something. I, um, I wonder how much uh, traditional movie lighting people hate the volume because that's one of the things that it also does is it enables situations where the talent is lit by the image as well. So they're getting actual light that would be present in there. So instead of trying to like in the Batman, when they're meeting up on the, the scaffolding or, or the uh, unfinished construction area of a building and you see all of Gotham and there's like the sunset behind them. And then you see the actors and they've got that sunset color on them. It's because it, it's coming from the volume. They're getting that light. I wonder how much lighting people in, of, of traditional types either hate the volume or everybody's rushing to get certified to work on it. I don't know which. I, I almost wonder if at that point, because so you think about it, you have this giant, you have this giant practical effects stage You've got these these illuminated, um, you know, active screen like green screens where you can see what's going on. You have that sunset in front of you, and the light from that sunset is going to actually reflect on your face. Maybe not to the magnitude that it would if you were really in that position with that sunset, but it would be a reference tool that they could add that they could like enhance it by post production. So there might be light, like you we might see that the lighting like team like the it's gonna it's gonna evolve yeah so they can L- let survive. me tell you though the set people are thrilled because every one of them are still building practical sets to go within these volumes um the one thing i will say about the volume this has nothing to do with ant-man and the wasp quantum mania but the one mind-bending scene for me that i want to see how it was shot was actually in the book of Boba Fett in basically the Mandalorian's episode, right? Uh, it was like the return of the Mandalorian or whatever. And we see Jin Dejarin or whatever his name is. We see the Mandalorian coming back after having gotten the head of his bounty. And he comes limping along and he walks into an elevator. And then he walks out of the elevator uh, and and goes into the next scene. And I'm willing to bet like 90% of that was volume, but I'm just wondering, I want to see how that was shot. Cause while he's over here, you know, people are moving some objects out and moving some objects in and they're having to do this work the whole time that the background is replicating an elevator and things their mind are telling them should be moving down or up. You know, I mean, that think about that. That's why I want to see how that was made. Cause it was an amazing shot. They didn't, I could not see any point where they could break in it because it was on him the whole time and then yeah. came back out. So I just know there was a mad scramble would have been the coolest thing to see uh, the visual, oh, yeah. but the visual effects in this one, I, in case I did not get the point across in quantum mania, I, I, I never hit what I would call a mental snag on him. I was just in there for the story the mm-hmm. whole time. So that was okay. In fact, I would probably say with the complaints that people have had with Marvel movies as of late with like, you know, poorly done CGI, that was not the case in this film. I think everything was well fleshed out, well rendered, even with the magnitude well, and the amount of like big screen scenes. It was it was it was done really well. Well, Tony, I got to say going into this one, I did one of the most grown up things I consider I could do with a Marvel movie, and that is I went in ahead of time and I, I didn't Google what they were, but I Googled to find out how many post-credit scenes there would be. So, and where were they? And so I knew there were two coming. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, without any, giving away, well, I'm not even going to say what they are, because, but they were uh, very nice. But let me tell you, even though I knew they were coming, so I was sitting there having to wait. Have you looked at the credits on a Marvel movie and seen the number of visual effects 
studios each movie like i was because mind you i'm focusing on the screen because i got a large soda which i polished off pretty much in the beginning in this movie so i'm anxiously waiting for music to start coming up in the list of credits because i know we're near the end finally um and i'm watching and i'm like another visual effects house another visual effects house i mean i i could be wrong but i could easily say i saw eight if not a dozen in those credits so yeah it's it's rather impressive, like the the, the teams, and I and, and I think it's also one of those things where we get to remember when when people talk about how visual effects artists hate Marvel movies, it's not Marvel Studios specifically that's their problem. It's Marvel bids out these projects to these these production companies, and the production companies are the ones that are underselling the work, and then overworking the staff mm-hmm. and. It's 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 just like if I were an initiative and you know someone wants to come to a brand and or wants to promote a brand and let's say there's another organization like us I don't know if there is but and and they say you know we we want you to do this they'll do they want to do it for ten thousand dollars we say oh we'll do it for five and we'll overwork our people to get it done in a short period of time you know that's on the company that made that that offered that bid it's not. You know, on Marvel Studios, it's yeah. just because it's so competitive now. It you know they realize, and at the same time, it's like it's it's quantity over quality in some cases um, when it comes to these groups, which is where we've had problems. But that's why we we now know that you know Marvel is going to take a step back, and I think take more time in producing these things. Yeah, which is good. I mean, I'm very thankful for the amount of content we've had, but I want to make sure, uh, you know, me. Uh, the, the guy who makes all the decisions at Marvel, but I, I really want them to do everything they can to make sure that they are able to just focus on quality over quantity. You know, I, it doesn't need to yeah. be, you don't need to come out and tell me about all the exciting things that are coming up at Comic-Con. You know, all you need to do is give me some glimpses at some of the things coming up. And whatever the exclusive hat is, make sure you give me that too. But other than that, you know, I don't need there to be as much because I will go back and rewatch this stuff. I'm almost thinking Hawkeye at this point is a is a Christmas tradition. You know, that's yeah. my hot take. Um, <laughs> but I, I will say too, the one thing that I reflect on, and this will kind of be the closing note. So I'm glad we didn't go into spoilers. You guys got to listen to this one pretty effortless, but. In a spoiler fashion, I wonder now how the leaked script compared to the actual movie because I never looked at it. I have no idea. Oh, neither did I. Right. Yeah, I, I, I consciously – now I want to go back and find it because I'd love to see if it was even correct. Yeah, exactly. Or, or because I believe it was you that put it out there, what if Marvel like did this as a misdirect as well? You know, I, you brought up that very valid point. So, you know, it could be, could be, uh, but anyway, guys, like from my perspective, quantum mania is a good time. If you want to make sure you're really happy about it, if you haven't seen it yet, go catch it on a matinee or whatever it is now. Like our theater does the first showing of the day is 25% off. Or if they got a $5 Tuesday that they honor or something, go see it then. And you'll definitely be thrilled. I saw it opening night and I had a blast and I was trying to balance Scott Lang's decapitated head on my knee the whole damn time. It was the popcorn. Yes. Which, which when we talk about quantity over quality and quality over quantity, I will say this, like when I was talking about the popcorn buckets, you could get them like, whereas they were like sold out in, in some cases for the previous ones. I feel like they overproduced them because I don't know if, I don't know how you feel about yours. I love my Ant-Man head, but it is the Lee. It is the poorest quality of all the popcorn buckets that we have gotten so far from AMC. I, I, like, I honestly haven't taken it out of the bag to compare because just, just to let you know, like the top of it doesn't always fit so well. You have to kind of force it. And if you see a black speck on, on anywhere where it's supposed to be gray, do not like scratch or touch it. Cause it's the paint chipping. So oh, just be prepared. Just, like, I love it. Just don't touch it. Just take that spot and, and hit it with some don't similar color nail polish. Don't even look at it side-eyed. Like, 
Like, yeah, no. And, and but that's crazy. to your point. And and Michelle brings up in the chat as well. There's an Ant Man popcorn bucket. Yes, there was. I didn't even know about this one in advance. I didn't sweat it, and I was still able to get it at 4 p.m. And yes, I got an extra one for some reason. So I'm sure that'll be in somebody's hands other than mine sometime. But I I went in knowing Tony was good, so I didn't have to worry about that at all. Uh, but anyway, it, it's a good time. Go yeah. see it. Um, definitely. Uh, an enjoyable Absolutely. Marvel romp for me. Uh, it just makes me look forward to Loki season two that much more now. Uh, yeah, but uh, that's it, guys. That's it. Uh, I got to, even though it's the first show I've ever had brought down by a dog, uh, thank you very much for that again, <laughs> Benjamin, for unplugging the power strip that does the entire internet of the house. So good on you, yeah, buddy. Yeah. Uh, and it'll be fun. Brought down by a dog. Sorry it was so rough. <laughs> well played you cad you uh thank you very much for tuning in guys thank you for listening uh until next time uh my name is will i'm tony and this has been another edition of netheads and don't forget i'll be back soon this is netheads with will wilkins signing off <gasps> I know, right? But stop being a little Nancy and deal with it. Netheads. 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 We'll be back soon. Goodbye. This has been a Smodco Internet Production. Sip only at smodcast.com. <laughs>